It takes more than buying your manager two copies of Mythical Man Month and telling them to read it twice as fast to be a great engineer. <laughs> this, this is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 314. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers of all sizes and shapes. And man, I just I, I could have sworn I would have had a Mythical Man Month joke just ready to go, but I, I don't have it. What about a pie joke? Hey, it's our pie episode. Yeah. 314. I was not even thinking about that. I have nothing prepared. I have no speeches prepared. I don't have any digits of pi memorized. I couldn't tell you what the first <laughs> digit is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's seven, right? Just, just double checking. I'll look it up after <laughs> the show. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we hopefully you'll be able to look it up twice as fast with two Googles. <laughs> I do have two keyboards plugged into the same computer right now, which should help. The secret to your productivity. Yes. Actually, a friend at work inadvertently was not trying to convince me to, but just convinced me by virtue of their presence and coolness to get one of those Kinesis keyboards. Oh, yes, I have one. And I hated it for the first day, and now I love it. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I, I do spell my name wrong a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> temporarily (laughs) until the autocorrect makes it spelled wrong another way yeah do we have to should we ruin the joke by explaining it is the mythical man month that's the source of what is it you can't have a baby in one month with nine women or something like that yes that is i believe i don't know if that's the original you know the first time that was ever coined but that is one of the uh, themes of the book adding more people to a late project makes it go later yeah that's right that's right. Which, by the way, that that is not true in my experience at certain sizes of teams. Like adding a second engineer to a team of one usually makes it go faster, I think. Hmm. But it, it does break down. So I, I don't know. I, and truth be told, I've actually never read the book Mythical Man Month. And I justify that because it came out before I was born. So I couldn't see all the marketing material in real time. <laughs> You didn't get to experience the the marketing blitz that they put on. Yeah, all those like TV commercials that they ran. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally <laughs> stole that book from a computer science lab in my school. Oh, yeah? Do you still have it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's not Jameson. I borrowed it. And then a decade later realized, oh, yeah, this has the name of that lab written on Because <laughs> I borrowed it to read one day and never brought it back. It's never too late to do the right thing, Jameson. And return that book. I think I have to buy them several copies with interest now. <laughs> You'll show up in the late fees and be like, oh, dance, comma, Jameson, we've been waiting for you. I'm about to retire off this late fee. Yeah. Looks like we're getting a few new racks of servers <laughs> for the old lab. Okay. Oh, Dave, I want to tell you about Ravello which is the best way to hire engineers for your team. But I won't tell you about them yet. You'll have to wait till later in the show. Uh, They're sponsoring this episode, which is cool. And you can go to ravello.com slash soft skills to hear more or just wait. I want to thank our patrons who are supporting us at the level that they get a shout out. And I also want to thank, not thank, several of you who took our challenge seriously in writing names when we said we would pronounce anything you write. (laughs) Here it comes. You'll know who you are when I get to your name. All right, we have one-time <laughs> shout-outs for Antonio Pitassi, Sonal Moon, Jonathan Cable, and Asal. 
And a weekly shout-out for Nathan Sackon, Memester Josh, Owen Shartle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Andrew Pollock, Jameson Dance, Lanferpwilgwen... Wait, it says... That says Jameson oh. Jance. Oh, did I read that wrong? Oh my gosh, I read your you name! Oh, <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I just offended someone so deeply by reading their name wrong. What a crazy coincidence that someone was born Damison Jance in this world. What a world. Okay, Damison Jance. Oh, man, my my brain auto-corrected. Okay, now on to the next name, which is going to be a bit of a challenge. Here we go. Lanfair Pwilgwingle Grogery Chwerendrobwilent Silo Gagagagach. All right. Kashakton, Ohio, patreon.com.au are hiring. Ira Chan, monkey face emoji, Jonathan King, testing is documenting.org, Will Oladapo Fadi, Will Angel, <laughs> Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Brayden Keynes, John Grant, Nick Cantar, and Philip Jambasile. If you would like to have your name or sound or unpronounceable gibberish read aloud on the show every week, all you have to do is go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. And if you contribute a quantity sufficient enough, we will debase ourselves on this show by saying whatever you type that is safe for work. You just performed my daughter's, one of my daughter's favorite tricks, which is she just mashes the keys on a keyboard and then says, how do you say this, dad? And then just <laughs> giggles uncontrollably when I, when I make noises like what you just made. Uh, you got through it pretty well. I'm impressed. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Would you like to read our first question? I do want to read it. Yeah. This is from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, love the podcast and have been listening for a while. I have a question about dealing with, quote, that guy on the team. I've been through several teams throughout my career, and every once in a while I get on a team where there's always a, quote, that guy that everyone seems to tiptoe around. They're the type of person that would yell and scream to have everything go their way, and they're typically very blunt to anyone, saying things in a really hurtful way. These people can either be technical or on the product side, but I've found it really difficult to work with people like this. After working long enough with, quote, that guy... It seems the common thing people do is just say, oh, that's just so-and-so, or that's just the way so-and-so is, which I feel is the only thing you can do, but doesn't sit right with me because it's incredibly toxic. I don't think the situation is to just fire people like this, but it boggles my mind how so many teams just let this kind of behavior happen because the manager can't or won't take any action other than giving them a talking to, which seems to just allow the behavior to continue because there are no consequences. Have you ever dealt with situations like this? And if so, how do you normally handle it without just ignoring it? Hmm. Hmm, indeed. Every team has one, right? Well, every team is sufficiently large. I'm trying to think of how often I've been on a team with someone like this. <sighs> yeah. I would say most of my jobs have had a, a that guy like around the job somewhere in the team at one point. They weren't there the whole time I was there because it it wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> there wasn't a one-to-one mapping between my employment there and, and a that guy existing. Every team, from the moment I was hired till the day I left, had one of these. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, yeah. How do I say what I'm trying to say? It's not it's common constant, enough. but it, yeah, it's common enough. Yeah, I think I'm just saying I agree with you using a lot of words to say it. Yeah, I like that. The more words, the better. <laughs> it means I really agree with you. <laughs> I don't think the solution is to just fire people like this. Is it, though? I mean, could that be a solution? Have you ever seen that happen? I have seen 
that guy get fired, and I've seen that guy not get fired. Have you seen that guy get fired because he's that guy? Yeah. Or was it like it's they had to find some other reason? I have seen both situations. I've seen... Are we going to have to define that guy <laughs> at some point? <laughs> I feel weird just saying it over and over again. I've seen someone get fired for this, and I've okay. seen someone be part of layoffs when layoffs had to happen, and, and they were deliberately part of layoffs because they were that guy. Right. And I've also seen them just like stick around and then leave of their own accord eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have kind of a I have a theory about this. And every time I, I posit a theory like this, I, I first scan my history that I can remember to see if I'm actually contradicting myself. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a good chance I am here. But I, I'm gonna say having someone like this on your team is is actually a failure of management. And I think the reason it's a failure of management is because it is really, really hard to deal with people like this, both as a teammate and as their manager. Have you heard of the market for lemons? Oh, I I have heard of it in the context of a certain public schools. I don't know if it's a different context, though. I don't know what you're talking about. Why don't you... What do you mean? I, okay. I tell you what, we have two choices here. I, I could sit here and guess a few more times which I think would be great. <laughs> <laughs> or if you prefer, we could do, we could, you could just tell me. I'm going to engage in the time-honored tradition of poorly, incorrectly summarizing something I read a while ago and then okay. looking it up and seeing if I was right. My understanding of the market for lemons is it's a paper that came out a while ago that posited basically that, so a lemon is another name for a car that isn't great like a, mm -hmm. it's got some mm -hmm. some issues and they are the the paper is arguing that if you are buying a random used car it's much more likely than you would expect that the car for sale is a lemon mm -hmm. and if i understand right it's basically because you're more likely to sell a car if it's a lemon like the the good cars right. aren't to get rid of it as much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because people keep them so there's like a serve up there's a it's kind of like a survivorship bias yeah, yeah, like the 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 quality of stuff on the market isn't the same as the quality of stuff out there in general, I guess is the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah got it. This in my head somehow related to this situation, and I'm trying to remember how. I I, I think the way I'm relating it is is that guys that are that are at work still are like they're good enough to not get fired most of the time, which right. means the only that guys you work with are, are like the tricky ones where the really bad ones. It, yeah, like if it's <laughs> if it's really obvious, like clearly so hard to work with, such that it doesn't matter how good they are, then they're gone. Or if they're just not good at all and they're pretty hard to work with, then they're gone. So the ones right. that stick around are the ones where like it is hard because yes. other is that a, I think this is like the opposite of the market for lemons. It, it is, but it's know. it's just it's another kind of survivorship bias. Like you are more likely to encounter people at work who are particularly tricky because the the ones that pick up desks and throw them across the room get fired. <laughs> the ones that are incompetent yeah. get fired. But the ones that are just yeah. competent enough, but also just rude enough, but like just below the line, you know, are the yeah. ones that stick around. Yeah. So they tend to be on your team. I, th I think that's where I was going. And thank you for taking me there. And so here we have a very in, uh, interesting explanation that in no way helps our listener. <laughs> oh, it's classic. I don't know. It gave me an idea for a blog post. Yeah, so it obviously it has value. Yeah. Now you know why you're in this situation. So question answered. Yep. <laughs> now you know Glad the could help. grand unifying theory of that guy.
Glad I could help. I don't think the solution is just fire people like this. Yeah, it. Um, if uh, there, there is some kind of like efficient market stuff going on here, where you're sort of, I'm sort of assuming, yeah, if the solution was to fire them, they would have been fired already, and it kind of removes the fact that there's a decision somewhere that someone can be good at making or not. But I, th I think the point is that it is not going to be easy to resolve. Otherwise, it'd be, it'd be resolved already. One thing I have seen work with this is, yeah, I've seen this resolve successfully in, in two ways. One way is basically the, the team or people on the team surface the cost that that guy is having to the team in a way that the manager did not understand or was unwilling to consider before and leads them to decide that this person needs to go. And then the other is the the, the manager puts in a lot of work to coach and train that guy and and help them change their behavior enough so that it it they're 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 kind of that guy now. I haven't seen anyone totally turn it around to go just a a delight to work with for for everyone, but I have seen behavior improve. I have. Really? I've seen it. Yeah. One time. No no one knows well. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what happened? No, I don't know what happened either. I just know huh. that there there was someone who alternated, you know, every month it was alternating between should we fire this person or should we promote this person? Because, it, you know, it's like they were either saving the team or destroying the team every other month mm. and for like a couple of years. Uh, failure on my part to, to not resolve that. And one, like one day just turned it around and is now just an absolute delight. And the team, you know, this is a long time ago, but the team universally loves this person and is so glad to have them on their team. And I hear this from unbiased sources who would tell me the truth. And so it's just this mystery of the universe. No one knows what happened. It feels like there was a like a, a paranormal experience. I know, right? Of some kind, like like a, a ghost of Jobs past, Charles Dickens <laughs> type of thing, yeah. right? Like exactly. The the ghost shows you what your performance review looks like at the end of your life. Yes, the ghost. No spirit. <laughs> <laughs> the performance review at the end of your life. Yeah, uh, and you're, it shows you your future peers. Oh yes. man, yeah, the ghost of performance reviews, past, present, and future, which visit you in turn at night. <laughs> yeah, but that is what that is what it seemed like. It was just this mystery, and I think I think helping people like this is actually very challenging. You know, because they the people who are willing to mistreat others have a certain level. They they lack a certain level of awareness. I think that. Uh, awareness or empathy or something it's hard to, i think it's hard for me to put a pin on as a non-psychologist i mean i'm a space psychologist so this is a little bit out, outside my wheelhouse if that guy were a celestial body yeah. of some kind we could talk all day you'd be on top of it. yeah yeah no problem you could talk all day about the the mental state of this comet right oh yeah <laughs> i won't yeah. i won't bore you with that now but yes obviously <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be boring. It'd be awesome, but we just but, can't, so we'll move on. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's too <laughs> off-brand. So anyway, back to back to terrestrial matters. I do believe that it's hard to coach people like this because they lack awareness about what they're doing, and asking someone to change something that they're not aware they're doing is like extremely challenging, you know. And so it takes a lot of work on the part of the manager to say, "Okay, I've collected seventy-four examples. I hope these all, you know, I hope these can help you get us start to identify the pattern." Yeah. It is just, I mean, notice we're talking about what to do as a manager, right? This is, I have, I have no idea what I would do to resolve it besides bring it up to my manager as a, as a peer of that guy, because 
it's it's not totally in your control. You, you can give feedback on the effect it's having on you and the, what you think the effect is on the team. I mean, you, you got to pass it off to someone else to deal with. Let's see. I'm reading through teams. Just let this behavior happen because the manager can't or won't take any action besides a talking to. What actions do you think there are besides a talking to to do? So let's, you know, regardless of whether you're in a management role or in an individual contributor role, I think isolating this person so that their scope of impact is reduced is really helpful. So put them on projects where they don't have to work with a lot of people, especially cross team boundaries or, you know, minimize the number of people they have to work with. It's like, okay, you have one interface point on this team and it's so-and-so and maybe prepare so-and-so to say, look, I'm coaching this person. They're working through some development issues and maybe issues isn't the right word, but they're, they're working on some things. So would you please be patient with them? And I think if you manage expectations like that with a small enough group of people, you can actually mitigate the impact. Do you think you can be that guy in some contexts and not in others? Like, it, Do you think there's an element to the environment that allows or in, somehow encourages the person to behave this way? Like say, say this person gets fired or quits or whatever. Are they going to go be that guy at their next job? I don't know. I've never followed a person long enough to know if it crosscuts jobs. Yeah. I think sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Like I think the tolerances might be different at different places. Exactly. I know I know people do change with their environment and sometimes substantially. Yeah. What you're describing sounds kind of like the you said work on the interfaces. Uh, I've heard this described as put them in a closet and you slide the requirements under the door and they slide the code back <laughs> under the door. Yeah. Which exactly. can work if that's, it can be a, more work than it's worth to define requirements enough so that they can be slid under the door and, and you can receive correct code back. Yeah, it's a lot of work up front. It, it is, yeah. And, and sometimes you don't know them and like you can't, you have to be able to work with someone to figure them out even to go build them. And, and then it, it falls over pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah, I just keep going back to what what would I do as an IC in this situation and, and I fall back to the old talk to my manager and express it in terms of the cost and the impact it's having on on myself and the team. So if there's a project, for example, that was late or that went off the rails because uh, you couldn't talk because uh, people were worried about, I don't know, this person flying off the handle or, or you didn't find out some right. information because they had offended someone who was important. That's a concrete example. And and the hardest part about this is is I've often observe this, there's a lot of feelings that seem to be just below the threshold of, of like concrete enough examples to take action on. Right. But you just kind of have a feeling about what it's like to work with this person. So it can be a lot of work to turn this from, I don't like working with this person and, and it's hard to hear, here's the situation and here's what the behavior was and here's what the impact was. Which is why this doesn't change a lot of times because it is a lot of work for everybody <laughs> besides that guy. Yeah, exactly. And you have a job, yeah. <laughs> right? So what about like a shock collar treatment? Who gets the button that shocks? Like the whole team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can press this button. What about, what if everyone on the team has to wear one? And anytime anyone kind of becomes, quote, that guy, someone can press the button. And then the whole team gets shocked? No, no, just the one person. Oh, so everyone, okay. So I, Jameson, if I have a team. I'm not, try, I'm not trying to be cruel, Jameson, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make sure I understand the logistics here. So I'm on a team of, of five developers. In my hand, I hold four remotes, one for each of the other four developers on the team. 
and so do all of my colleagues. Yeah, and they also have four Got remotes. It. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that could make stand-ups a lot faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you seem to be getting pretty into the weeds there. <laughs> Zap. <laughs> I think it would only be fair for your manager to wear one and all of the team members to have the controls for the manager as well, though. Oh, oh, fun. Well, that sounds like a psychology experiment from the 60s that someone would have done before like ethics were yes. a thing. <laughs> before ethics were a thing. <laughs> uh, okay, I do have one more uh, realistic solution to consider, uh -huh. which is that, you know, the, the question asker mentioned it here which is a very interesting thing. They said, it seems so common that people just say, oh, that's just so-and-so. So what that says to me is there is a subset of the population who has learned to cope effectively with that guy. Now, I want to reiterate, my main position is it is your manager's responsibility to coach this person so that they can interact effectively with their team without causing a lot of pain. And it's really for their sake and for the team's sake and for everyone. But if that's not possible, there are ways to get close to a person so that you don't feel so much pain when you interact with them. And one way to do that is to develop a personal relationship with them. You know, do, do things outside of work, get to know them on a level beyond this is the person who makes me crazy at work, you know? Mm. And that's what I've found that it takes to bridge the gap between this person's so annoying and makes me feel bad all the time to, oh, that's just so-and-so up to their old so-and-so things, you know? Mm -hmm. If you can make it personal. <laughs> I don't mean make it personal. That's all not, not like in a supervillain way. Can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now it's personal. I mean, if you can make them more of a person and have a personal relationship with them, and I don't mean you have to get romantic or marry them. <laughs> uh, please don't. But if you know them on a personal level and understand them as more than just that coworker who drives me nuts, I think it helps. It's a good coping mechanism. It can be. A coping yeah, mechanism, I should it say. It can be. Boy, can it not sometimes, too. <laughs> Maybe it makes it worse. I don't know. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I have one more suggestion, which is, unlike my other suggestions, not guaranteed to work in all situations. So you'll have to be responsible for thinking if this will help or not. You could approach this from a standpoint of, of kind of defining with the team, how you want to work together, what behaviors are acceptable, what what expectations do you hold each other to? And if you have some kind of, I've heard these called ways of working or charters or things like that, if you have something, it's much easier to for the group to hold each other accountable for working in this way together instead of depending on these, these kind of fuzzily defined shared feelings of feels bad. It's very possible to be that guy in a way that skirts and does not seem to a go against any of these ways of working but but it, this might help in some cases all right have like, we answered the well question? Let, let me give an example like okay for example if interruption is a big problem like i just interrupted you <laughs> um I, may, I just so you know i'm i'm fuming over here okay well i don't care because i'm that guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you could you could define it as important to your team to let people finish their thoughts right you don't we don't interrupt we have some way of indicating like i would like to talk next and wait for stuff to resolve and then it's less about i mean it kind of is targeted at that guy but it's more about saying well here's the thing we agreed to do and and uh so let's let's please behave this way and maybe a bit more outcome focused than like focused on the person specifically 
So create big, all-encompassing policies that make everyone else less effective to target one individual. Got it. You know, just kidding. I'm just. I'm beginning kidding. to think you're that guy, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just had That's to take okay. the dig. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the danger, right? Like, if it really is about one person and everyone works easily together, you're going to slow down if you have to rigidly define a communication framework that is really like, don't be the person that is hard to work with. We better move on, though. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Jameson, have you heard how easy it is to hire engineers right now? Given infinite dollars, it is easy to hire engineers right now. <laughs> and I just don't have those. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I want to recommend a company that helps you hire engineers in Latin America. It's called Revelo. Tell me about it. I've been hiring engineers in Latin America for the past two years, and they are awesome. I've worked with a few different companies who provide engineers from Latin America, but none of them were really great. I recently discovered Revelo. Ravello helps you find skilled software engineers in Latin America. They only provide full-time senior engineers with at least five years of experience. They don't force you to pay for things you don't need, like a project manager. This is really interesting. Their pricing is awesome because they charge a monthly fee, and you know how much they're paying the developers, so there's not a lot of indirection there, which is not common. Sometimes you get these opaque invoices, and you have to figure out how much is actually going to the developer, how much is going to the, the company. They do the sourcing and the vetting, and you can interview the engineers before deciding if you want to work with them, and they take care of payroll and benefits, which is great. Yeah, I highly recommend hiring engineers in Latin America. It's a huge untapped market for a lot of U.S. companies. All of Ravello's engineers speak English, and the time zone is one of the big wins. If you're based in the United States, the Latin American time zones line up really well with U.S. time zones. You don't have that painful 24-hour turnaround problem when you have a question for an engineer on the other side of the world. Yeah. I worked with wonderful engineers that live on the other side of the world, and both of our lives were worse <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. of that. Someone's always up at midnight. So this is great. Check out Revelo today. You can go to revelo.com slash soft skills to check it out. That's R-E-V-E-L-O dot com slash soft skills. Okay, Dave, would you like to read our next question? Yes, this uh, comes from an anonymous listener who says, I am a senior FE engineer, I think that means front-end, and I have recurring one-on-ones with my skip-level manager, which is the manager of my manager, who is the head of engineering at the unicorn I work for. I usually ask what is top of mind for them, usually hiring is their answer, give feedback about my manager, and get additional feedback on bigger picture things I'm working on. For example, we're currently working on metrics to measure impact and value of our design system and other internal tooling. What else would you ask them to make the best use of this time? Hmm. When when you say ask them what is top of mind, I just imagine them having a, a, a scatterbrain like I have and literally just giving you what is top of mind, which might be... what Yeah, what is literally at the top yeah. of my mind right now. I'm just thinking about the shade of red of the KVM <laughs> on my desk. And I don't even really know if it's red, right? Like there's no absolute... Is it the same red that you see? I don't know. Let's explore yeah. that. Is that what you meant? (laughs) (laughs) And they're your boss's boss, so boy, is it hard to interrupt them and and get them back on track. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think this is cool that you have a skip level. I have found it useful to be on either end of skip levels, and I think it it is an indication that your boss's boss wants more information about how things are, are working, which I have seen be be positive in the past i guess oh you you think the skip level sometimes sets this up so that they can kind of get your take on things and see how things are working on the ground 
I think so. Yeah, it, it, my understanding of the purpose of the skip level is for the boss's boss to get more direct information about how things are operating in their reports team. Because I'm sure they talk to your boss all the time about how things are going, but that is just one viewpoint filtered through through them. And so they're they're kind of like maybe checking some assumptions or or doing doing a bit of their own digging. And I feel like that's useful. And so what you're saying is that one thing you can do is share your perspective because that's useful to them, probably. Yeah, there's, I mean, there can be some weird feelings around maybe you, you want to be careful not to, I don't know, undermine your manager. Or if, if, if every meeting with your boss's boss is you telling your boss's boss how bad of a boss your boss is, that seems seems fraught. I felt like when I read this question, I thought I had lots of good things to say. And uh, <laughs> now you're hearing them. All these good things I have to say. What is top of mind for them? I, I would be interested in hearing if they know what you are working on. Like that can be a good proxy for how important it seems to them. If they know what you're working on or, or if they have what they think the impact of your work is. Mm, oh, yeah. Great call out. I'll, I'll tell you, like this, I think there's really two things kind of two themes that you can go after in a one-on-one with your skip level manager. One is that you can try to influence them. Like if there are things about the organization that you want to see changed, this is your opportunity to put your two cents in directly. And I would, I would use it, you know, but be, you know, be careful because you might end up, you know, being responsible for something new and make sure you want that. Or, you know, you might find yourself at the center of some controversy. I don't know. Just, I'm just kind of winging it here on that one. But I, I think you could also run into problems if you you are pushing for change that you and, and your boss aren't aligned on at all or or yeah, like if, if you are pushing for something that your boss really does not want to do it's it's gonna be tricky if if you think you can get them on board with you and you just also need some support from your boss's boss then that could work well but if if your boss's boss hears you pushing for this thing and knows that your boss doesn't want to do it they'll probably say hey report Here's what your here's what your report told me. You need to go figure this out because it seems like you two are not aligned very well. Yeah, that's totally true. So that so that was theme one was trying to influence someone at a more senior position to change the organization in a way you want. Theme two, in my opinion, is information sharing. So like Jameson, we've already talked about this a little bit, but like unfettered, unfiltered information sharing. If you this is particularly useful if you feel that your boss is not necessarily representing your work fully to your skip level manager. And so this is a chance to kind of brag on yourself, talk about the contributions you've made to the team, share the wins directly and make sure you get full credit. And and I say that because, you know, credit can be diffuse and it can be hard for it can be hard for managers to stay on top of all that and share it and make sure that all the good news gets where it needs to get. Are you talking about your own work or, or like the team's work in general? Well, I was talking more about your own work, like making sure that you individually have representation at this level in the organization. Yeah. Like, I, I frankly, when I do skip level one-on-ones, I love it when people are like, hey, can I show you what I've been working on? I'm like, yeah. Direct exposure to the things you've been working on. And then I know exactly who whose name to put on that when I see like an announcement a week later or something. It's awesome. I'm really, really grateful when when people do that. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to see a demo? Like, yeah, I do. I love that. Yeah. That's a good point. Not everyone will, but I love it. What about the old trope about not bringing problems, bringing solutions? Are, would you be concerned about being the person who complains about stuff if you're trying to push for a change? Without a solution? Yeah. 
No, because I think, well, if I'm, so I would not just go to a skip level manager and say, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem. But if I had something that I wanted to actually drive forward and I had ideas about making something better, I would bring those. And I think that's very different than being someone who just brings problems. Yeah. That's an interesting point. It it sort of implies that you've done some amount of prep of, of you have something you might want to pitch, not just kind of winging stuff off the top of your head. Yeah, exactly. Which is counter to how I like to move through the world. So that idea might be a little bit foreign to me. You prepare? <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't just show up and what's that? say what's top of mind? Yeah. <laughs> I had another top of mind session with my skip level. Yep. <laughs> I really like what the question asker said about additional feedback on bigger picture, things that I am working on. If your skip level manager kind of is, is talking to the group as a whole about what they're working on or getting going through some presentation, they might be maybe a bit reserved in their feedback. If they have major concerns, they might not want to just kind of torpedo the whole team in front of a group or something like that. So it might be a good place to get, if you can demonstrate to your skip level manager that you are a, a safe and responsible place for them to express real concerns they have, then you might be able to hear, hear things you wouldn't hear otherwise about what they think is going wrong, you know, and what you might be able to do differently. Yeah. And this will depend on how guarded your uh, skip level manager is, but yeah, it's, it is a great way to get information and, and if they ever say something like hey look just just keep this between the two of us you know make sure you're listening yeah that's probably a good way to not hear that information again if you if you don't do that <laughs> right <laughs> if you don't keep it confidential yeah that's a great point and and i have been surprised at the willingness of senior leaders in an organization to tell me their totally candid feelings about a situation you know like hey how are we doing financially or Hey, how do you, how do you feel about our performance as a team? You know, they'll, they might just tell you, like most people don't get into a senior role because they're so guarded and, and careful and never want to ruffle any feathers, you know, like there's a good chance they'll just say, yep, here's my concern. I mean, remember, this is the stuff they work in every day, you know? So it's like, you're asking them about their day job, essentially. It'd be like the same thing, like asking you about why a function parameter is a string and not an integer, you know? You gave me another idea, which is you just grill them. You like put them through a job interview. Like give them a coding challenge? Yeah, you can ask them whatever you want. Why not just uh, <laughs> test their chops? See if they can hack it. Listen, I I only have one question for you today in our skip level one-on-one. And that is, I need you to solve the 18th Fibonacci number recursively. <laughs> yeah. And watch them sweat. Have we answered the question? Probably not very well, but as well as we're going to get today. Who's our skip level? Is that the listeners? I think you need to go ask the listeners. <laughs> it's the highest paying Patreon. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll get that name to you. and then you... I have regular one-on-ones, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Shoot. Better be on my best behavior then. <laughs> well, what can people do if they would like their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. And as usual, we say thank you so much to everyone who does that. We really appreciate reading your questions. Uh, so many of you ask so many good, thoughtful questions. We love all of them. Keep them coming. Thank you. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>